We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome, Irish fans, to another edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. I am Vince D'Addario. I am the football analyst here at irishbreakdown.com. And with me, as always, is my partner. That is Brian Driscoll. He is the publisher at irishbreakdown.com. And Brian, we actually had some live football Mm -hmm. yesterday to watch. Mm -hmm. And I have to say, I enjoyed it. I mean, it was was an all-star game. I get all that. The announcing was a little annoying. I get that, too. Quite Um, annoying. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but it was football, and yeah. guys were playing their butts off because yeah. this is just an extension of the job interview to get into the NFL. And mm-hmm. uh, when you're playing for stakes like that, it, it's real. And yeah. I, I, it was great. I enjoyed it. I know. I, I realize that's probably the last, uh, you know, that why well, it is the last college football game we're going to see uh, for quite some time. Even though we have one more NFL game to go, uh, this is we're coming down to the end of football, which really stinks. Yeah. Um, but I was nostalgic a little bit watching some of those guys in uh, the gold helmets and, you know, for the final time. And it was, it was mm-hmm. a little bit sad. Um, yeah. So, but, but bittersweet, of course, because yeah. they're off to do their lifelong dream. They're, they're going to play in the NFL, which is awesome. And, and congratulations to them. But we would be remiss if we did not break down their performances down in Mobile, Alabama. Uh, again, this is like a week long job interview so for those of you that don't understand what the senior bowl is all about it's it's, not an all-star game it's not an all-star game it's kind of a uh and there's no there's no combine this year so it's even more important right um because you've got the practice piece Mm -hmm. you've got the interview piece and you've got the game piece which you know 
at the combine, you've got the drills, you've got the interviews, mm-hmm. and then that's it. This is right. a there's a little bit more of a high stakes, you know, situation here. So uh, we're gonna go through all uh, six guys uh, that were mm-hmm. there at one point or another, um, and we're gonna talk about their practice habits, what what they did at practice, what they did in the game, and did they help themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, or not uh, for that matter. So uh, first of all, your overall impressions of the game, the situation, the week. You know, I, I thought it was a really strong week for Notre Dame as usual. I think that Notre Dame continues to to uh, present itself as an institution well, as a football program well. Every year you hear about character, how well these young men conduct themselves right. off the field just as much as it is on the field how coachable they are. I mean, we heard it about Chase Claypool and Troy Pride last year. We heard it about Drew Tranquil the year before. I mean, we constantly hear this about they interview well. They did sure. great in meetings. I mean, I, I can only think of one Notre Dame kid the last six or seven years that, that didn't get rave reviews for how he interviewed with people, with teams, with how he conducted himself. And so, uh, you know, I think that speaks volumes to the type of character young men that Notre Dame is producing. And, and that's important because what's going to happen. And here's why it's important. It's not just, oh, it make you feel good. But if there's a thought next year when the the people that are making these decisions are, are deciding who to invite and it comes down to this Notre Dame kid or this other kid, a lot of times they're going to they're going to take the Notre Dame kid because they know he's going to show up. He's not going to do what the Alabama kids did and then practice during the week and then leave before the game and not playing the game, which is what like Alex Leatherwood and some of the Alabama kids did. Uh, really? That's why they didn't play in the game yesterday. Yeah, they practiced, they got their interviews in, and then they left. Wow. Um, they had to call in Jimmy Morrissey from Pitt at the last second to play in the game, you know. So, you know, Notre Dame kids aren't going to do that, you know. And wow. so, uh, you know, I think that was a positive. We heard during the game, during the broadcast, about how well they checked the boxes off the field. I mean, from Ian Book all the way down yeah. to the defensive lineman, you know, just the, the character in which these young men, uh, went about their business was impressive. And I think that alone is going to give them, you know, bonus points, you you know? So, uh, but at the end of the day, you could be the greatest character kid in the world. If you can't play football at a level, the NFL teams can help them. They're not going to take you, you know? Right. Right. We kind of talked about it. We kind of talked about it after the show yesterday. Mm -hmm. uh, And when we were talking about Ian book and, you know, all those things, and, and this isn't necessarily specific to Ian Book, but just the, the situation right. of all those off-the-field things are fantastic. They're right. great. But those are kind of the tiebreakers right. for when you're looking at two guys who are similar on yeah. the field, right? Yeah. Uh, those are the tiebreakers. It's not, well, he's great off the field. Let's bring him in. Like, right. it's not it, – it, right. it's, it's different, right? right? I mean, and whereas in college, while on-the-field play is important, some of that off-the-field stuff, I think, is a little bit more important uh, mm-hmm. because of all the stuff that's going on. So it, it the, the dynamic changes a little bit in the NFL. And people yeah, need to understand I mean, that. It, it, look, NFL teams are investing legitimate money, you, you know, not scholarships, yeah. you know, but like I'm paying you six figures, seven figures uh, to, to come out here and play football for us. Right. I need to know that you're going to be there every day yeah. and, and not be arrested or be in jail or, you know, decide you want to play or whatever. So all these things are part of that evaluation process. Absolutely. And so when you get young people, so like, you know, this is like, if you think Robert Hainsey's a seventh round talent and he's a great kid and the captain and all that, but he can't block anybody, you're not going to take him in the second round because right. he's a great kid. Exactly. You're going to, you're, you know, so now having said that, if you're sitting there in the third round and you're trying to decide between an offensive lineman and you've got this kid over here who was a four-year player at Notre Dame, two-time captain, showed up every day for work, is going to do his job, is going to give you everything he's got, is not going to create problems, 
And he's got a similar grade to this other guy who, you know, was suspended for a couple games and left early from the senior bowl or whatever. And you're trying to decide between these two guys. It's a no brainer. You're going to take the, the, guy, the other guy. So that's where it matters. Right. And so, exactly. yeah, that the off the field stuff can matter. But sure. Sure. If if you can't block anybody or you can't complete passes or you can't tackle anybody or cover anybody, it won't matter. Exactly. And so what they did on the field was uh, was just as important. But I do think it's worth mentioning the the things that we talk about with the other aspects, because absolutely, if they were getting in trouble and they were doing bad things, you know, would be all over the TV and all over that kind of stuff. And I think the fact that that's just not what we're seeing with Notre Dame kids. I think it's something that the, the institution, and it's not just the football staff, but that's part of it. It's sure. the entire institution and how they mold these young people to be accountable and be responsible for for who they represent. And I think that's a big a big piece of this. No question. So we want to break down uh, the individual players. First, let, let's talk about Ben Skoranek because he was there for a little while, then had to go home for injury. So let's mm-hmm. touch on him. Nothing's obviously changed since the last time we did this. Right. Um, but we want to touch on him because he was there and we can mm-hmm. also, you know, we can talk about Liam Eikenberg briefly because he was invited, but didn't end up going. So, but right. those two guys, the situation is a little bit different. So let's get those guys out of the way off top. Yeah. Obviously Liam Eikenberg was invited, uh, accepted initially, then declined to show up and play. Not, it sounded not worse the, than I meant right, it to say, right. He informed them ahead of time. It's not like they're like, where's the Eichenberg kid? And he just doesn't show up. He informed them. He wasn't going to be there. I haven't gotten an official word on what the reason was, but I've just been told he just, he's kind of had some bumps and bangs that he just wants to get healthy before he get dives into the, the draft process. So, you know, it, it is what it is. I, th- I thought he would have had a great week. I think he yeah. would have helped himself this week, but you know, him and his agent obviously felt that it was best for him to, to not be here. Uh, ben Skronik was that was there, got hurt on the second day. I was told it was a foot injury. Uh, don't know the severity of it. And uh, at least I don't want to report the severity of it because I don't have an official word on it. And I don't want to sure. say something yeah, about an injury that's not accurate. But he was, was injured, and that's yeah. why he didn't play practice the third day, and that's why he didn't play in the game yesterday. He was right. he was uh, he got banged up. So hopefully it's nothing major, but uh, w- we'll see. But uh, uh, didn't really ha- do a whole lot to to impress before then. You know, was starting to pick it up on day two before he got hurt. So that was disappointing. You wonder how he would have been able to, you know, day three. He would have had plenty of opportunities to continue building, but he's not going to do that now. So um, that's certainly going to hurt his. And if his injury is what I was told it is, it's it, it's going to it's going to limit how much teams can have exposure to him between now and the draft. So Brian, let's talk about. Uh, Ian Book and his mm-hmm. production at the Senior Bowl. Uh, you know, a lot of expectations coming in, a lot of question marks coming in about Ian Book. Uh, had you know the three days of practice and then had the game. And I, I was bef- before we get into practice specifically, I was a little surprised he was the third quarterback in. Um, I don't know if you got any clarification on that. I'm, we were hearing that. You know, obviously he was picked as the best quarterback on his team Mm -hmm. by the secondary, you know, things of that nature. I kind of anticipated him being the first quarterback off the bench. Sam Ellinger Ellinger from Texas uh, actually got out there first. And then um, the kid from Arkansas, uh, Felipe Felipe Franks. Franks, Yep. uh, He ended up being the second QB out there. And then uh, Ian Book came in the third quarter. So uh, I don't know if there was anything to that. We can get into that, but I just want to best throw that I can out gather there. is just that it was kind of already determined it was going to be that way. Gotcha. Is the best that I can gather, but I haven't heard anything specific as to why exactly okay. he did. But All um, right. yeah. All right. Anyway, it's interesting. All right. So uh, so let's talk about 
uh, Ian Book and and how he performed at practice first. I thought he had a really strong three days of practice. I, I thought he okay. had a good first day, a really good second day, and a really good third day. And it was just kind of built on each other. The first day was more of just kind of getting acclimated, getting on the same page with the receivers, had some good balls, uh, you know, not as much team, more one-on-one, you know, more seven-on-seven, things like that. I thought he had some good moments. You know, I thought he had some throws that you said, boy, I wish I would have seen more of that at Notre Dame, you sure. know, uh, dropping back and, and being willing to throw the ball on time, throw the ball on rhythm, put the ball into some tight windows at times. Yeah. And, and those were good to see. I thought his ball placement the first day was good, not great, but that's to be expected when you are thrown onto a football field with a bunch of guys you've never played with before. Sure, yeah, absolutely. Guy, Every guy's got a different speed. Every guy runs routes a di- uh, differently, so you, you're going to see some of that. I was actually – he had way less of that than the other two quarterbacks, and I think that speaks to his accuracy and his ability to get the ball out quickly is – I thought the other two quarterbacks had a lot more just, wow, where was that ball going? Right. And Ian didn't really have any of that. I mean, he had some misses, but they were they were normal misses, just a little too far outside, just a little bit behind, those kind of things. They weren't like, I have no idea who he was throwing that ball to. And it's no. one-on-ones, and I still didn't know who he was throwing that ball to. <laughs> Felipe Franks had a couple of those. Um, Sam had a couple of those in, in seven-on-seven and team. But I thought he performed well. I thought – the, the second day, I thought he took a lot more shots. I thought there was a couple really nice corner routes that he threw, threw the ball on time. He was hitting guys out of their breaks. He was giving them the chances to catch the ball with room to run. Um, he was attacking down the field, he, fitting the ball into tight windows, which I was really impressed with. Um, Beat Dalen Hayes on uh, one of those corner routes. Yeah, yeah, that was on day three. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was a really well-thrown ball. Uh, you know, I, I, there were just like little things like um, – you know, the, the like I talked about the corner routes, being able to fit the ball. There was one particular read, I think it was on day two, might have been day one, where he's reading to his left and he sees that it's three defenders over two receivers, right? So he immediately comes back inside, finds the end cut, the backside end cut, and bangs it in between two defenders. Now, again, if I'm being like a quarterback's coach and I've been critical, I'd have said, hey, just a split, you know, turn, plant, and throw. Just a little bit sooner, you know where the – but he still saw it. Split second late, but he got the ball out there in between two defenders for a 15-yard gain. Like Those are not throws we saw him make at Notre Dame, and and at least not in games. Okay. And and we'll we'll get to that part here in a minute. But I I think the thing that, you know, when when you and I were – when I was on WSBT Sports Beat last week before the the Senior Bowl, one of the things that I was asked was, what do I think NFL teams are going to be most surprised by with Ian Book? And the thing that I said was arm strength. Sure. I think they're going to be surprised by his arm strength. And really thinking about that, that's just throws 30 yards and in. I think Ian Book throws a lot more, a lot better ball with a lot more velocity than people think. Very quick release, very compact release. Uh, footwork is solid to where he, he's always kind of in position to be ready to throw. And I thought we saw all those things. I thought his ability to to put velocity on the intermediate throws and, and to do it without – really having to ramp up his body. And here's what I mean by that. Just Most quarterbacks can throw 25-yard outcuts, and most quarterbacks can throw it with a little bit of velocity. The guys that you want as your quarterback are the ones who can kind of snap the ball out. They're not the guys that got to really wind up and put a lot of body into it. Because the more effort you have to put into throwing a ball down the field, the tighter your grip is going to be, the tighter you're, you're going to make your muscles, and the less accurate you're usually going to be. Sure. 
the more loose and free you can be making those throws without having to body it up, the more accurate you're going to be. And that's what Ian Book showed. Yes, he okay. had velocity, but he also like the corner routes. He wasn't like really winding up and letting them go. He was just snapping it off, just bam, getting it out quick. And so I think those things caught people's eye, in my opinion, and talking to some people down there and then obviously reading the different reports about it. I think some people were surprised at his arm strength because what you see on Saturdays more often than not is not what you and I have seen uh, hundreds of times in practice sure. and then occasionally in games like, look, right. oh, Ian Book can't throw the deep ball. Yeah, he can. He can throw the deep he ball. Doesn't. He just doesn't. Yeah, there's a big uh, difference, a huge difference. And, yeah. and so I think during practice was an opportunity for some NFL scouts to say, you know what, this guy, this guy's got a little bit more physical arm talent than we thought he did. And and uh, and then when you combine that with leadership, character, poise, athleticism, sure. running ability, escape ability, I thought during the week of practice, he was much more calm and poised in the pocket, you know, didn't really rush out of the pocket. Uh, feet were calm and cool, collected and just getting the ball out. And so I yeah. thought during the week of practice, I thought he was very, very good. He won the award for top quarterback, and honestly, Vince, after watching the practices, and again, I only watched the national practices because that's where all the Notre Dame guys, I did not like watch Mac Jones and Kellen Mond, so I'm only referring to him against Sam Mellinger and Felipe Franks, the national quarterbacks. It wasn't close. I mean, it really wasn't. You know, that Felipe had a couple good moments and sessions. Sam had a couple good days. after. Sam was had a rough first day, uh, got better as the week went on, but it, it wasn't close. Me and Book was clearly the more productive, more accurate, more, uh, more effective quarterback. The first and the, uh, during the three days of practice, that's good. I mean that that's uh, check mark in Ian Book's corner. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. let's let's move on to the actual game again. He was the third quarterback off the off the shelf, and we'll say we'll say it was predetermined um, because if it was based on what they saw at practice, then Ian Book would have been the starter. I mean, it just it is what it is. So mm -hmm. um, he ends up being the third guy off the bench. And I believe did he had the whole third quarter. Yes. Okay. So he had the whole third quarter. I believe they scored on one of his drives. Mm -hmm. um, your thoughts and analysis on his gameplay. Did he continue <laughs> stepping in the right direction? I don't think he did. No. And, and it's not all his fault. He finished the game five of 11 for 48 yards in, the, in an interception. The interception, I don't, I don't, doesn't bother me because it was a Hail Mary. So okay. the way that the senior bowl works. Every quarter is like a half. Yeah, they change so the sessions. There's a yeah. two minute. There's a two minute drill or two minute warning at the end of every half or every quarter. So essentially, if you don't score at the end of the first quarter, it's not like a real game where you carry it over and you start the second quarter with the ball. It's if you don't score at the end of the second third quarter, which is what Ian Book got himself into. If you don't score on that drive, the other team gets the ball. So your possession ends. So they threw a hail mary at the end of the third quarter, and he got picked off. That okay. that's that's. Like that's one of those ones you don't chalk up. I mean, it wasn't a very good hail mary throw, but it was it was a hail mary, you know. Uh, so arm I, strength did, did he show off the arm it strength wasn't on that? that long of a throw? Okay. to be honest okay. with you. Um, and again, it was lofted. It was it was it was a hail mary. And, okay. and so I really have him down five of ten for forty eight yards. Some of it wasn't his fault. There's a couple throws where he had to scramble because there was nobody open. You know, the receivers weren't getting great separation, but. There were other opportunities that it was very similar to what we saw from Ian Book in games. You know, I mean, you and I talked about this in yesterday's show. Looking great in practice has never been an issue for Ian Book. Which is why he was a starter for over two and a half years. Right, because he always looks good in practice. I mean, I don't know if I've ever been to a practice like, boy, Ian Book really struggled today. He always yeah. looks good in practice. 
he always looks poised in the pocket and, and comfortable going through his reads. It's then you get into games and you see him speed up. Things go too quickly for him. You know, his mind goes too quick, quickly for right. him. Not the game. It's not the game that goes too quickly for him. It, it's him. And we saw a little bit of that. We saw him rushing his footwork. We saw him just kind of, you know, people call it happy feet. I don't think it's happy feet. It's just, it, he, again, it's going too fast. He's going too fast and he's going through his reads too quickly. He's going away from receivers way too soon, you know, and, the, the anticipation that we saw in practice, the the throwing guys open that we saw in practice, you know, fitting the ball into tight windows we saw in practice. He didn't do that in game in the game. Yeah. And there were opportunities there. Not a lot, but there were opportunities there. At the end of the day, you know, the, his number of throws were, were right on target. Erlinger threw 10, Felipe Franks threw 16, Ian Book threw 11. So it's not like he got way fewer chances than the other guys did. And, and the pass blocking was fine. Uh, okay. The run game worked. I mean, that's pretty much what fueled him. And, and he did a nice job on some of the check downs and he had a couple nice throws. But overall, it just he didn't carry that decisiveness and that that willingness to to force balls, not force balls, but to to try to, you know, hey, look, give your guy a shot to go make a play, yeah. you know, yeah. push the ball downfield. We didn't see that from him on set in the game on Saturday. And you know, I think that's gonna be the big question mark for Ian Book. It, it's you know, a lot of these NFL scouts, they come to NFL, they come to practices, right? I mean, they've seen him in practice. They, you know, we used you when when you and I would were allowed to go to practice before this whole COVID thing. <laughs> Back in the old days. You know, you'd go to practices and there'd be three, four NFL scouts or, you know, people there on the sidelines kind of watching practice. So they've seen him in practice. They know how good he looks in practice. And 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 then you get to games and he's just not that same guy. And, yeah. and you have to ask yourself, why is that? Because that's what you need a quarterback to be. Now, having said that. The couple times where I, you know, there was a couple times where Ian Book did have to come off the bench in in at Notre Dame, and he did pretty well for the yeah. most part. You know, yeah. with the exception of the Miami game, I thought he did pretty well coming off the bench, especially against LSU in in 2017. So that's the question that teams are gonna have to ask: Is you know, this is a guy that w for whatever reason, when he gets into games, just doesn't show the same traits that you see from him in practice and and i so i think that's going to be something that that okay. we have to ask but having said that well yeah we'll get to that final part of it but yeah i his his game performance was not nearly as good or impressive as what we saw from him on uh on from tuesday to thursday in practice which was excellent right so do you think he helped himself at all? I've got an opinion on that. I want to hear I do. Yeah. I do, because here's why I think he helped himself. Because, okay. number one, I think from, from my conversations with people the last few years, kind of covering the Senior Bowl, remember Chase Claypool was considered a breakout player at the Senior Bowl. Remember that? He yep. had two catches for six yards in the game. No, Nobody's talking about that. It's about how well he performed day after day in the, in the game. Okay. Or in the practice, in practice sessions, yeah, right. So for Ian Book, I don't think the game hurt him. I just think it was a, yep, okay, we see that. I think what what helped him was for some of the teams that maybe only saw him in games, or some of these coaches or executives that never, you know, saw him at practice. Uh, the practice work was your opportunity to see that the physical talent is there. Yeah, and I so I think that is that is something where. Because this no this notion that Ian Book doesn't have the arm strength to do A, B, and C comes from where? It comes from people who have only seen him playing games. Sure. You and I have had the benefit over the years of seeing him in games and in practice. Right. And so I think for me, I think that that it's going to help him to have some of these NFL teams see that, hey, he does have the physical tools to make some of these throws. And my quarterback's coach can work with him because he, here's what it comes down to. 
You have a kid that's got the physical tools to make the throws you need him to make. He's got the athleticism to make plays with his legs, which if you can have a backup quarterback that can make plays with his legs, that is so important, right? And let's be honest, nobody's drafting Ian Book to be their starter next year. They're not. They're not. I agree with you. And and, and that's not a knock on him. Most quarterbacks are not being drafted that's to start next fair. year. Yeah. So you're, you're looking at him initially as a backup, right? And so what do you want from a backup? You need a guy that can make the throws. You need a smart kid. You need a a kid that can make plays with his legs. That's so important for a backup quarterback. And so you're looking at a guy, he's got the physical arm talent to make, you know, all except the the throws that differentiate between a starter and a backup in the NFL, right? From a backup standpoint, he can make all the throws you need him to make. And then here's the other part of it. Hard worker, high character kid, leader, experienced. Those are all important things that he already has. Those boxes were already checked off for Ian Book. Right. Now you check off that he's got a little bit better physical tools. An NFL coach, an NFL quarterback's coach, or an NFL offensive coordinator is going to say, hey, those game day things, I can work on that. Right. He's got the physical tools. He's got the work ethic. He's got the athleticism. I can work on him how to progress, how to progress through reads. I can work with him on timing and anticipation. He's got all the other things. We can coach that up. So I think that he definitely helped himself um, during the week of practice by showing that he does, in fact, have the physical talent to make a lot of the throws that these NFL teams are going to make. Because, look, this isn't 1985 anymore where you needed a John Elway arm because you were doing seven- to nine-step drops and throwing the ball 50, 60 yards downfield. I mean, the game has changed. The game is much more of a 30-and-under game now. And Ian Book can make a lot of the 30-and-under game. And I'm talking 30 yards – uh, and, and shorter I, yeah. throws he can make a lot of those throws so i think ian book st- made a strong case to say if you want him you're going to need to draft him and that to me is is important and if and look here's the other thing too vince last part of this you only need one team to fall in love with you uh, absolutely That's it. you know and, and i look at a guy like mike mcglinchy if the niners don't draft him at nine i don't think he goes 10 11 or 12 he's probably going to fall a little bit but you just get that one team that falls in love with you. And I think with his character, with his experience, with him being from Notre Dame, so they know he can handle pressure, uh, you know, with all the things, I think there's going to be a team or two that's going to look at him and say, boy, that's a guy we have to have as our backup quarterback. And, um, you know, I think in that regards, he absolutely helped himself this week at, at the Senior Bowl. No, that makes a lot of sense. And I think, uh, and again, people need to understand, this is not a knock on Ian Book from me. Um, but you're right. He's not being drafted as a starter in the NFL. He, his career trajectory, in my opinion, is that of a backup. Now, maybe mm-hmm. he'll fall into a situation where, like a Chad Henney, for example, um, and I'm not comparing the two quarterbacks, I'm comparing the situation, where he ends up in in a place like a Miami or a Jacksonville where the teams just aren't very good. They're rebuilding. They, they you know, need a quarterback, and boom, all of a sudden you're getting a bunch of starts. Mm-hmm. He he's you know he's six foot tall. He, he's not Drew Brees. He's not Russell Wilson. Okay, that you know he's got some things to overcome. But what he does have going for him is like you said, all those off the field things. Uh, he's smart. He's capable. He'll know the playbook. He'll know the game plan. He's ready to roll. He is the kind of backup that if I'm a GM or I'm a head coach, that's who I want in my mm-hmm. quarterback room. I he is a solidifying force. Mm-hmm. as a backup quarterback right. and again if, for example chase daniel has made over 15 million dollars being a backup quarterback he's got 
five career starts. Means he's not getting hit a lot. He's <laughs> not he's not taking that beating. Well, yeah. and, and, and to your point, Vince, it's like you know who else is who is who else is being viewed as a backup quarterback in the NFL? Every other kid that was at the senior bowl this year. Absolutely. I mean, yes, nobody's correct. looking at Sam Eglinger and Felipe Franks and Kellen Mond. Mac Jones is the only one, and he didn't play in the game. Right. 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 So I'm more referring to the guys that played on Saturday. Most of those guys are looking at, you know, Jamie Newman. No one's talking about bringing Jamie Newman in to start in 2021. Right. So that's who he's in competition with. Look, there's nothing in book or anyone else at the senior bowl other than Mac Jones could have done to be in the conversation with Trey Lance and and Kyle Wilson and uh, Justin Justin Fields Fields and Trevor Lawrence and Kyle Trask. I mean, those guys are the the cream of the crop. There's nothing you're going to do in three practices in the senior bowl that, is going to negate what happened on film the last three years, right. right? So, so it is important that he went out there and showed that there are certain things like Felipe Franks, for example. There's nothing Ian Book is ever going to be able to do to be six six, which is what Felipe Franks is. Absolutely, to have the big arm that Felipe Franks has, and there's going to be some NFL team that's all they want that stink that are right. going to obsess over the size and the arm strength, and then there's the smart teams, the teams that win. And they're going to say, okay, yeah, Ian Book isn't 6'6". He doesn't have a howitzer for a right arm, but you know what? He gets the ball where it needs to go. He's accurate. He's smart. He's going to work hard. He's going to be a team player. And, you know, because remember back when Ian Book was the backup to Brandon Wimbush, you never heard a peep about Ian Book, you know, causing problems and and feeling he should start and going to transfer. You never heard that. Right. He, he's, okay, well, what's my role? I'm going to go out there. And, yeah, he wanted to start. He battled every day in practice to, to start. Sure. But you never heard him making waves. And Brian, those are all things that are going to factor into it. He's a winner. Okay. Yeah. He's a but, winner. But there is something to that, though. I right? know. I Of course you there know? is. I'm, like, I'm joking. You and, I, you and I laugh because it's just an absurd, like Notre Dame would have gone, you know, <laughs> 18 and 17 if Ian Book isn't the starting quarterback, which right. is just absurd. It is. But but I, I, I do think there's something to that. The fact that he's played on the big stage so many sure. times. Are things sure. that when you look at that they could be the difference between a team taking him in the fourth or fifth round or a team or him being undrafted. Yeah, you know, and so so I do think those things matter. And and to say he's not a starter in the NFL, I don't think that's a surprise to anybody. But at the same time, that oh, it would be though. that that is that is kind of what every quarterback that's not taken in the first round is viewed as. Sure, you know, and so. Um, that that's that's the competition he's up against and that's what he needs to prove and i thought this week in the first three days in the practices i thought he earned very 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 high marks for me the issue however is again on game day and that's going to be the thing that keeps him from being a guy that somebody views as a as a starting caliber quarterback it's not arm strength it's the fact that he still just doesn't make the throws on game day that he needs to make and doesn't even take the chances on game day that he needs to take and so that's the thing that's gonna because the the thing that allows him to be a you know a winner at Notre Dame the game manager those kind that's what you want in a backup quarterback absolutely yes exactly what you want to just go out there execute the plays I call and get us out of this game with a win I'm telling you he is the prototypical backup quarterback that I want on my team. Period. And that's a compliment. That's, that's a an compliment. absolute compliment. Yeah. That means you're one of 64 of the best quarterbacks right. in the world. Okay? Uh, here's a here's a perfect example. Ian Book versus Deshaun Kaiser. Mm-hmm. If I'm an NFL team, which quarterback do I want? Deshaun Kaiser. Kaiser's bigger? Yep. No, I, I disagree with you. Oh, Deshaun okay, Kaiser's okay. bigger. He's got a better arm. He's a better athlete. Right? More dynamic talent. Sure. Give me Ian Book over Deshaun Kaiser every day of the week. You know why? Character, work ethic, attitude. Sure. 
willingness to accept his role, but not be not to just be comfortable with it. Do you know what I mean? Like Ian Book's always going to battle because he wants to play. He's always going to battle and compete to prove that he should start, but he's not going to do it with his mouth or with his attitude or with sure. behind the scenes. It's, oh, I get he's going to do it with his practice. And so that's what I mean is if, I, I if, I'm, a, if I'm looking for a backup quarterback, I have a starter. Oh, okay. Starter. Okay. You didn't Who say Who do that. I want as a backup quarterback? Okay. You didn't that say it's that. It's going to be Ian Book. Because what a lot of teams do is they put the Deshaun Kaiser as the starter, and then you bring in the Ian Book as the yeah. backup, as a as a yeah. you know, there's our safety net. Right. But the kid with the big arm and and the the right. size, he's our starter. But right. We got Ian Book here as our safety net. But see, to I, me, I see that out of the draft, you're right. Out of the draft, yes. you're taking Deshaun Kaiser. I'm talking yes. about who Deshaun Kaiser is right now. If I, I'm a team looking for a quarterback, a backup quarterback in 2021, which one absolutely. of those guys am I taking? And their age no isn't question. that different. I'm taking Ian Book because absolutely, there's a reason Deshaun Kaiser's been on so many teams in so few years. Yeah, right. I mean, he's been in the NFL four years. He's been it's on almost twice stuff. as many teams. It's the yeah. it's the attitude, the work yeah. ethic. All those type of things. Whereas Ian Book, you just know what you're going to get every day. Sure. No, and, I get and that. For me, if I'm if do I spend a fifth round draft pick on Ian Book or do I take a flyer on Deshaun Kaiser? I'm taking Ian Book. Yeah. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Every, is, again, this is because I have an established starter, which yes. a lot of okay. things do. Uh, and, and that's what I'm taking, you know? So like if I'm the Rams yeah. and, and I need a backup quarterback to Matt Stafford guy that can execute an offense and get me through a game. And I got a fifth or an extra fifth round pick and, and Ian book is sitting there yeah. and Felipe Franks is sitting there. I'm taking Ian book. Absolutely. I just am. Yep. You know, I just am. And that's, no, that's I get how that. it is. Absolutely. So good. He, so Ian book helps himself, uh, during, the senior bowl, which mm-hmm. is which is great for Ian Book, and I'm proud of him because I think he's a really good kid. And mm-hmm. I, I I don't want anything but the best for him, and that's awesome. So yeah. uh so that's good news. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything. Which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. So, Brian, let's talk about um, Aaron Banks and his his uh, performance at the Senior Bowl. Uh, we'll start with practice. 
and we'll move into what he did in the game, and then we'll talk about whether he helped himself overall. So a lot of uh, highlight clips of Aaron Banks over the last week, uh, whether it be at practice or the game for that matter. So Mm -hmm. uh, let's talk about Aaron Banks at practice. How did he do? He was up and down. You know, there there were some really impressive reps from Aaron Banks, and and there was a lot of loss, a lot more losses. Let's say, there wasn't a lot of losses. There was a lot more losses than you'd expect of a guy of his size and athleticism. I think the first thing was checking in at six five and over 300, 330 pounds. That is one of those ones where you're going to be like, okay, what's the first thing you're looking at as an as a coach if you're if you got a guy over three hundred thirty pounds? Okay, what does his body look like? You look at him and he doesn't look like a guy that weighs three hundred thirty pounds. He's sure. a lot like Quentin Nelson in that regards. Where when you see Quentin Nelson and people say he's like 340 pounds, you're like, there's no way he's that big because he's not fat. Like he's there's no big and it's like he's just got broad shoulders yeah. and huge hands and long arms and thick thighs. And you know, he's just yeah. big, you know. And uh and Aaron Banks is a lot like that. Giant head, broad shoulders, big arms. <laughs> you know, he's just a big guy. He's not he doesn't have that baby fat that he had so much of early in his Notre Dame career. He's just a big kid. Sure. And but so okay, how's he move? Okay, he gets to practice. He moves really well. That was not a question. His athleticism was impressive. His quickness. I think it was the second play of the game. He pulls around on a wrap block on a counter and just I mean, he gets over there in a hurry and then sees the guy coming inside and he has the athleticism to stop and turn inside and make the block and the guy goes right outside of him. We saw that several times during a week of practice. There was another long run in the game that kind of cut right behind him and Hainsey. Yep. Uh, but uh, his athleticism was impressive. Uh, he was much better during team periods than he was during one-on-ones. And okay. I think that's important, you know, cause it was working with your, working with your partners, you know, getting right. to the second level, doing those things where you can show your athleticism. But again, that's what I want as a coach. I want to right. see how you work with the guys next to you right. as opposed to just in right. space. I mean, that's, I don't know. Those one-on-one right. drills are nonsense to me from an offensive lineman. I, standpoint. I think they're important because, and here's where he struggled is, you could you could really put an I want to put an alignment on the island, and I want to see how he handles it. Um, I think I think sometimes the pass rushing things can get ridiculous, especially on the edge, because like you go so wide to win that right. you're not getting to the quarterback. Never gonna they happen. They don't do the Senior Bowl one on ones are not like Under okay. Armour All American one on ones. Okay, if a defensive end goes wide and, and wins, his defensive line coach is getting on him. Like, dude, this isn't a this isn't an All Star game rep. This isn't a you know, high school football camp rep, that's not getting it done, you know? And so you see real battles, real reps. And that's gotcha. the thing I like about it. And so when Aaron would have problems winning these reps, it was always it was always something where he stopped his feet. So, like, there was a, a couple snaps where he'd come off, he beats the guy to the, ang- to the spot because you want to see angles. You know, you want to see, how, does he understand the proper drop angles? Is he getting sure. too much depth, not enough depth? Is he too lateral, whatever the case may be? He'd take that really nice drop step, beat the guy to the spot, engage the guy and then he'd stop his feet and the guy would then beat him or the bigger problem for him during the week of practice was he was his hands were too wide so a lot of times you're seeing him engage and he's got his his hands outside of the defender and the defender's up in his chest and he's he's not able to get his hands on so the guy would knock him back and beat him right yeah So that's just that hand placement as an offensive line coach. I see that. And I'm like, that's correct. That'll be out by the end of the first camp. Yeah, that's coachable. hundred percent coachable. And so that's the thing is everything that, that to me, when Aaron Banks was losing reps, it was always something that is fixable and fixable early. It was never, he's not quick enough. 
Right. It was never he's not strong enough. It was never that. I think he showed off impressive physical talent. I think that he, sh- he again, coachable. You, you're constantly seeing him and Hainsey interacting, him interacting with the coaches, asking questions, being coached up. And uh, I think that was important. And then when yeah. we got, you know, when we got to the team periods, he was at his best. And that, like you said, that's where you want an offensive lineman to be at his best. But even there, there was still some inconsistency. But for me, in practice, he kind of looked like he he always does. Yeah. Physically impressive. He's going to compete in battle. But his execution isn't always there because he doesn't have the same level of advanced technique that, say, a Robert Hainsey has or a Liam Meikenberg has. Gotcha. Uh, and, and, but again, that's something that is, that's what coaches look for, right? Like, is the thing that keeps you from being a great player, something that I can fix or not? Yeah. If it's foot quickness or agility, or you have super tight hips and you can't bend at the knees, I can't do anything about that. It just, it is what it is. That's, sure. that's just whatever. But when you look at Aaron Banks, none of those things are issues. All the physical things, check, 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 right, check. Right. And I thought his endurance during the week was good. You never saw him getting tired, playing tired, and that's important when the guy's over 330 pounds and he shows you the quickness and he's staying, he's he's playing with the same sort of speed throughout the week. Mm-hmm. It tells me he can carry that 330, and that's important to me as a line coach because that means that's a guy that can throw his weight around. Sure. And when he loses weight during the season, he's going to get down to 320, not 292. Yeah, Like right. a guy that comes in at 305. So I thought the practice – portion of the week was was a good experience for Aaron Banks he did not hurt himself at all uh he showed some of the inconsistencies that you're going to see but the physical talent is something to me that that jumped out for a guy that's six foot five and 330 plus pounds so let's move to the game did he again did he continue with uh you know that trajectory in the actual game itself so it didn't start that way and he was a starter, by the uh, way. He was a starter. He started at left guard, and Robert Hainsey started at right guard. And uh, it didn't start that way. He had a good first series, had a good rap. But then he got – there was a pass block late in the first drive where he just got bulldozed. And I'm thinking, here we go again, just that inconsistency. But after that, he settled in and played really well. I thought uh, he was quick off the ball. Uh, his execution was sound. I thought his his uh, his second-level blocking was impressive. Uh, he he had a really good – after that one play on that first series, I thought Aaron Banks had a really strong performance. And, again, it built on what he did during the week, which is during team periods, he's going to be really good. I thought things that he would get in trouble at Notre Dame we didn't see as much, which was when working on combo blocks, he had a bad habit of kind of turning his body inside towards that combo, which then kept him from getting to the second level. He did that once on the first day, and they corrected it, and after that I didn't see it again. So, you know, you've got to learn as an offensive lineman to I got to help into my right or help the other guy while keeping my shoulder square because I'm the one that's climbing to the second level. As soon as you turn your hips, you're not getting yeah. to the second level. Right. So we saw that from him. So I thought overall in the game, I, I thought he he impressed me. Okay. And, good. and and he was always, I mean, you look at the, the the first two scoring drives, he was on the field. He was on the field on the Ian Book scoring drive. So him and Robert Hainsey were on the field whenever that team scored. Oh, and I think great. that's something that's gonna that's gonna catch people's eye because, like I said, you can't teach six five three thirty. Right, right. You can't teach that. You can't teach six five three thirty with the kind of feet that Aaron Banks has. It's a it's a rare thing. It's whether or not you have an offensive line coach who wants a ready made player, or you want an offensive line coach that's willing to take a kid that needs some work, uh, because you know that if if he puts in the work, he's gonna he's gonna, he's be, gonna good. be good. But 
you know, he he's going to have he he him and Hainsey are the last group of players that still have the Harry He stand stamp of approval. Yeah, meaning guys that he recruited and worked with. That's going to carry some weight in the NFL as well. That's a good point. Um, so, bottom line, did uh, is Aaron Banks better off uh, in the eyes of the draft uh, the draft Knicks uh, from before or after? Is he better off now than he was then? I think from an NFL team standpoint, I think he's better off. I, I don't know about people that watched him that maybe thought he was going to come in and look like Quentin Nose. I don't. I don't have a clue what NFL. You know, Fair the draft enough. next thing, I can tell you that I, I, I would be shocked if NFL people didn't come away more impressed with seeing Aaron Banks in the, now than they were before. Okay. Just his body looked better. His his overall uh, performance was good. His teamwork was good. His work in team was good, I guess is a better way of saying that. Uh, coachability, attitude, all those things, I think, checked all the boxes. And I think it was a good week for Aaron Banks. I think... At worst, he's going to solidify what you already thought of him. Okay. At best, he's going to go up the up the draft stock. I don't see any scenario in which the team says, yeah, he's not who I thought he was. Right. Unless you thought he was Quentin Nelson. I mean, like, you know what I mean? Like, if you thought he was a top 15 NFL draft pick, you're going to be like, no, he needs a little bit more work, a little bit more polish for that. But I don't know if anybody really had him that high. If you thought he was a second-round pick before, I think you're going to think he's a second-round pick now. If you thought he was a fourth-round pick before, you're probably going to think he's a third or second round pick now. That's how I look at it. Okay. All right. So good. So Aaron Banks uh, hopefully is heading in the right direction up people's draft boards uh, moving forward. And I think it was important for him to do this, Vince, because of no combine now. Exactly. Yeah. He's one of those guys, him and Hainsey both needed that because there's not, I mean, there's not going to be that, that opportunity to go do the thing. I mean, pro day, I don't know how much a pro day does for an offensive lineman, you know, he got the interviews now. He got the he did all that stuff now. And he then he got out to put the pads on and show you what it's like with pads on. And so I think for him especially, I think this week was important for him. So I think it was good to see him put his best foot forward, in my opinion, and, and have a good week. Now I will say I was at the pro day for uh uh Nelson and McGlinchey. Mm-hmm. And that pro day did those two some good. That well, was one heck of a pro day. But it was kind of like what, what Nelson did was kind of exactly what he did at the combine and on film, is, yeah. is my point. You know what I mean? Like right. He, no, I know. I just that but one again, was impressive. But again, you're talking about one of the greatest to ever do it. <laughs> right. You know, right. And, and that was the cool thing about it. Like, you know, I feel I felt like covering Quentin Nelson, I felt like how an Ohio State beat writer would have felt or an Ohio State football analyst would have felt in the mid-90s covering Orlando Pace. Yeah, right. And that's how I felt covering covering Quentin Nelson. Like, No, absolutely. You're not going to see this again for a while. So enjoy it. Yeah. You're yeah. right. Okay, I got you. So Aaron Banks moving in the right direction. Mm-hmm. That, that That's the important thing. And uh, so we'll see, we'll see what the next uh, few weeks have in, in store for him. So, Brian, I want to talk to you also about – uh, Robert Hainsey and what he was able to do because he did start at guard and then he also played some center mm-hmm. um, and obviously we know he can play tackle so those are all important boxes to check for him because I think his versatility is going to help him when it comes to uh, people's NFL boards um, it, let's start with practice uh, from day one to day three how was Robert Hainsey in practice I don't think there was a player from Notre Dame that helped his draft stock more than Robert Hainsey during the week okay. of practice. And, 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 you know, I know I'm kind of reversing it a little bit, but I think that's the best way to sum up what he did this week. It was just, it was Robert Hainsey at his finest. And, and by that, I mean, there was no flash, 
There was no him taking a, a guy off the line and driving him back five yards and putting him on his back. It was just winning rep after. Remember that when Charlie Sheen like lost his mind a few years ago and he just kept using the word winning all the winning. time. Like winning. that was that was Robert Hainsey, like rep winning. You know, like the yeah. the kid from yeah. Texas who had like a couple really big plays in the backfield. Uh, in the game on Saturday, I forget his name, but he's a D tag from Texas. Like that was the first play he made all week because he kept getting matched up against Robert Hainsey in practice. And it was just <laughs> loss, 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 you know? And, and so I thought he had a great week of practice. I thought, uh, you know, obviously he's going to be technically sound. You know, I think there was a couple times where he gave up a little bit of ground in pass blocking. Cause it looked like he still had a, that, that instinct of, of the depth you get as a right tackle, yeah, <laughs> you know? Right. But he quickly worked that stuff out. Uh, you know, he was he was strong at the point of attack. Guys would try to bully him, and they couldn't because you you look at him. He's not a big guy. Sure. Uh, you know, he's got a thin lower body, and you think I can push this guy around. And so then they try to do like their power moves on him, and it just stones him. You know, yeah. like the USC guy tried that on him in the first quarter of the game, USC. and he just like the guys. It, it's like you ever see um you ever see, I think it was like Necessary Roughness. Remember that movie back in the day. Oh, and, and uh, Ireland, yeah, Robert Loggia is on the um, the one man sled, and like nobody can move it. You know, they're like just their feet are moving, but they're not going anywhere. That was the USCD tackle trying to get a bull rush on Robert Hainsey. You know, nothing, nothing uh, makes me happier than to hear that. By the way. <laughs> yeah, Insane. and um, you know, just the consistency of them, this winning rep after rep. He's over there coaching Aaron Banks up after practice. You know, he's signing autographs right. for little kids. Uh, two-time captain, but look, all those things are great, but you got to be able to play, and Robert Hainsey can play. He played yeah. He played four different positions at one point during the week. The only position I didn't see him line up in in practice was left tackle. He took a couple reps at right tackle and one-on-ones. He played left guard, right guard, and center during practice. In the game, I think he only played center and right guard, but right. in practice, he played four, four or five positions. And his ability to, to make plays was there at all of them. You know, I thought he had one bad snap that I really saw all week. And I think it was on on the third the third practice uh, in the red zone. He had a snap that that kind of was at Ian Book's shoelaces. Well, it was because Book, it was Ian Book. So, I mean. Right. He, he was just trying to give Ian a chance to show off his athleticism. That's right. That's uh, which right. he did by catching it and making a play. Uh, but I just thought that consistency, that steadiness that we saw from him all practice, uh, all week in practice was, was kind of what you and I have seen from him in games for years. Yeah. I think the big thing for, for me too, that where Robert Hainsey helped himself in practice was he weighed in at over 300 pounds. Oh, He's wow. never over 300 pounds in Notre Dame. He weighed in, at, I think 304, his arm length measurements were, were almost identical to Zach Martin's. So, you know, he didn't have. He, you knew he was going to be have shorter arms, which is why he's projected to play inside, it's not attack. Interior, yeah. But it wasn't so short that it's a problem, you yeah. know. It, and that was the kind of thing you worry about. It was like, okay, you, you you're okay with shorter arms for a guard, but are they too short? And that was not an issue. So he checked that that box. But the big thing is, okay, can he be over 300 pounds and still play well? Can he still be quick? Can he still have the endurance? Because you know how it is, Vince. A guy can put any any offensive lineman can get up to 305 pounds, but some guys can play quickly and have endurance at 305 pounds and some guys are carrying 20 more pounds than they should and they sure. can't they can't play so for him to check in over 300 pounds and then during the week of practice show foot quickness show agility he was phenomenal getting to the second level i mean yeah. just phenomenal getting to the second level um and we saw that in the game you know he had a great second level block uh to to spring open one of the long runs that they had and so uh, I thought, and I thought his drive blocking was good in team periods as well. There's a couple times he came off 
the center would be engaged with somebody, and Hainsey would come off and just blast the guy, and then they'd get the, the double-team push. That was good to see. So um, he didn't get a ton of those chances at Notre Dame because he was a lot of times working on the edge one-on-one. So I was impressed with what I saw from him, and, and I was impressed with how quickly he took to center. Because you know, Vince, one of the hardest things to do for an offensive lineman is to snap and step as one simultaneous yeah. motion. Yes, and he had no problems with that. Like I said, there's one you know bad snap, a couple that you know you want to work on. But overall, I thought his snaps were relatively accurate. But it was never a snap then step then hands. It was snap step hands all as one. And to see him pick up on that so quickly was an impressive thing to see, and really helped him a lot during this week. Yeah. Yeah. And as, as you discussed on yesterday's show, NFL teams are carrying seven, eight offensive linemen in a game. You have a guy like Robert Hainsey could literally play all five positions in a, in a pinch and start at four of them. Yeah. Uh, to me, is going to boost his draft stock. So I think anyone that had questions about his size, his ability to compete against bigger players coming into this draft thing is going to say, okay, box checked. Uh, and then, of course, he blew it away in the interviews, which no one was is surprised by that. So Robert Hansey does his thing, which is fantastic, and uh, and I think I think you and I kind of expected uh, that situation out of Robert Hansey. I'm glad that he fulfilled what we thought would happen, uh, but again, I think his versatility is going to be huge. I think that um, yeah, I, he's he's also you know we talk about you know having good guys in the room. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he's a good guy to have in the room, and then mm-hmm. he also backs it up with his play. And I, and I think that's that's really the key for me. If I'm building a football team, I want, you know, as much as I can, I want good people as well as good players. And he checks all those boxes. Yeah. Um, do you think? Do you think you know, it's day two kind of kid, two three, round two three in that neighborhood for him? That, just, that one's a little tougher for me. I'm not. I, you know, okay. I don't know. I don't know if I am enough of a draft expert to say that he will get taken in that range. I think he is. Uh, and okay. so here. You know, I thought in the game, I thought he showed exactly what he did in practice. Very good performance in the game. Um, uh, Excellent performance in the game. Him and Banks both played extremely well in the game. And so when you combine that with the practice performance, I, I, I viewed him as a guy that proved that he can be a starter in the National Football League. That's big for me. I think... I think if you're an NFL scout and you had him on your board as a guy we want to have for depth, for versatility, mm-hmm. he flying colors, he he checked that off. So fifth, yeah. sixth round pick. If you're a team, however, that didn't view him as a starter, I think you're rethinking that now. Okay. I think you're going back and you're watching the Notre Dame film again. You're talking right. to Harry Heastan. You're talking to, to to people that, you know, some D-line, some line coaches that maybe to played against him. And you're saying, you know, let's let's – Let's do a redo on this Hainsey kid, and let's look at him in a different light. Okay. Uh, and like I said, it, it just takes one team to fall in love with you yeah. for him to be a second, third-round pick. To me, I view him as a second, third-round player because I think he's a a 10-year starter in the National Football League. He'll never be a dominant I, – I just don't – I don't know if he physically will ever be like the dominant player that a, you know sure. some of the other guys are. But when you look at a guy like Zach Martin who just does his job snap after snap after snap after snap there's a lot of similarities for me between robert hainsey and zach martin i think the only thing that's different is i think zach martin is a naturally little bigger guy i think that's the thing for me um but i have a feeling that robert hainsey after the senior bowl senior bowl performance is going to be someone that a lot of these nfl teams are going to look at and say we gotta we gotta take a fresh look at him because the way he performed this week 
And then you look at his resume, like 37 career starts, two-time captain at Notre Dame, finished his career as an, as an uh, all-ACC academic player, uh, checked every box, played well in big games, dominated Patrick Jones and Rashad Weaver when they matched up against Pitt during the week of, you know, during, during the year, uh, dominated Chris Rumpf from Duke this year, you know, really just played well, really played well against Clemson the second time, both times played well against Alabama. He checks every box except great size. That's it. And so, uh, that means he's not a first round pick, right? That doesn't mean he's a seventh round pick. So for me, I think Robert Hainsey probably helped himself as much as any Notre Dame player at the senior bowl. Okay, good stuff on Robert Hainsey. So Brian, let's let's uh, let's let's talk um, uh, about another player at the Senior Bowl. Let let's talk about let's go on the defensive side of the ball and uh, let's talk about Dalen Hayes um, and kind of what you thought of him at practice, uh, how you thought he performed in the game. Um, you know, I saw a few practice reps of him as well. Obviously, Ian Book, uh, you know did a good job against him in, in a, a a corner route in the end zone when they were working on some red zone stuff. But that was, you know, basically shorts and helmets and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me. But, a really uh, well-thrown, well-placed ball. Yeah, right. And there's almost nothing you can do about that, especially when you're a defensive end in coverage. Um, but Dalen Hayes, how did he do uh, in practice the first three days? I think he was a little up and down. I, I think he had yeah. some really impressive snaps. Uh, he obviously had the 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 one pass rush everybody's talking about the first day where he just came off the line and bull rushed a guy and drove him into the ground and and everybody made a big deal about it and and he's you know that's Dalen can do that you know he's yeah, a he's strong big, big strong big kid kid man. strong kid powerful hands his legs his yeah. thighs when they would he's, wear like um they would be basically helmets and shoulder pads you know mm-hmm. and they would just wear what looked like football pants but they were almost like bike shorts if you will mm-hmm. his thighs were like yeah. as big as people's heads. Yeah. I mean, the, the kids got quite the lower body. That, that's yeah. all I want to say about that. Very, very, and that's why he's so good against the run. And we saw yeah. that this week because he can really anchor and set the yes. edge effectively. I thought he did that. I thought he showed a good motor. Uh, I thought he showed quickness off the edge. I think what what Dalen needs to continue to do is, is enhance his repertoire. You know, yeah. it's like he's got kind of two moves as a pass rusher: the power sure. move and then the spin move. And you know, when he sets the one up correctly, it really works. And he had some reps that really worked. And and he showed the ability to kind of get around the edge. His sack in the game on Saturday was just beating a guy on the edge. And and so he showed that during the week of practice. He showed toughness, physicality, and he showed versatility. You know, the, the third day of practice, he was working as a 3-4 outside linebacker, which is really where I think he's best suited. Okay. Um, you know, so I thought he had a good week. Again, checks all the character boxes off and all sure. that kind of stuff. But, it, you know, again, it was it was an up-and-down performance. And one of those things where if I'm a D-line coach, I say, look, this guy's got some tools that I can work with. You know, I just need to – I need to coach him up on secondary moves, enhance his, his, his hand play a little bit, and just kind of teach him, you know, hey, you got those two moves, and when they don't work, you don't really have anything else to turn to. Right. Because um, he didn't need more than that, really, at Notre Dame. Uh, I think that's going to help his game. So uh, – up and down during a week, but had look. But what you want to do is you want to have those highlight plays that stand out. And he had several. He had several yeah. of those highlight plays that stood out. Where you're going to say, "Hey, oh boy, did you see that guy coming off the edge? Yeah. Let me study him guy. more." Yeah, yeah, right, right. Yeah. And yeah. to your point, Vince, when he's doing that at the size that he is, you know, six three plus two sixty five, two seventy, and then you see some of the movements that he can do. Like, wow, this guy's dropping in coverage and covering a wheel route. That's that's. There's not a lot of two hundred seventy pounders that can do that. Right. 
Yeah, no doubt. He made those plays. They're going to make teams say, hey, let's take a deeper look at this guy. And then they're going to dive into his background. Oh, he only played eight games of high school football. Oh, he, you know, he missed, you know, he, this is a still developing play. It may not sound like it because he played four years in Notre Dame. I mean, four, you know, really five because he, he was a full time player last year before he got hurt. Right. You know, there's still, there's still room to work with a guy like Dalen Hayes. Yeah, there's no question about it. And I, I think that you're right. I think his game is still developing. And I think if he gets the right defensive line coach and the right defensive coordinator in the right situation, I think he could thrive. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the same on the other side. If he gets into a bad situation, he's going to kind of plateau and right. he, he might fall out of things. So uh, I think it's really important for Dalen Hayes to get into the right situation. Um, mm-hmm. But that, that's, that's evaluation overall. How did he do in the game itself? I thought he, similar to to he was in practice, but flashed okay. a little bit more. I, I think okay. it's even more flat. Like, and I mean that in a good way. Like, we saw more of the flash plays in the yeah. game. Yeah, uh, you, you know, dropped into coverage a couple times, had a sack in the game, so he got around the edge. Showed that ability to bend and really dig and get underneath a tackle to get that sack. Um, you know, so I, I thought he, I thought he played well in the game. I thought he had some good moments. It can be hard for linemen in a game like this, too, Vince, because they're constantly rotating in and out. Right. Even right. more so than you would have during the season, you know. And so it can take a little while to kind of get used to the, you know, the this is the kind of pass sure. set that this guy has. This is where he's vulnerable. Because sure. remember, in the game, they're not going against the guys they've gone against all week in practice. Right. It's like right. a real game. You're going against a guy you've never faced before. And they didn't scout him really either. Right. I mean, right. you're not – you don't really know what you're getting yourself into. And on top of that – not going to be the same tackle every time either necessarily right. you know because right. they're going to be rotating right. you're 100 right yeah. yeah so but i thought he did well i thought he performed okay. well i thought he had a solid week of practice i thought he had a better than solid game so uh you know I, I thought i thought he did some good things and again like you said you hear all week about his character you hear people talking during the game on the tv broadcast about his background and his character and you know like a lot of people saw Dalen involved in, in, you know, Notre Dame's Black Lives Matter rallies and things like that. But Dalen's a kid that has been involved with the community from the moment he got to Notre Dame. You know, he's a kid right. that works. I mean, Vince, you, you work at the lo- at, at, a, at a local high school. You've heard the stories about Dalen with middle school kids and elementary school kids and, and the Christmas programs and all these different things. Like, that's something that's been important to him from the moment he showed up at Notre Dame. And that's right. going to matter, especially in today's era, today's you know, socially conscious era of of, of sure. interactions between professionals and, and the community, you're going to bring a guy like Dalen Hayes in and say, this is a guy that is going to represent our organization incredibly well. And and that's what we talk about this. That's not going to be something that turns a fifth rounder and a first rounder. But when you're sitting there in rounds three through five or six, and you're trying to decide between player A and player B, those are the kind of things that can make a difference between you yep. taking player A or player B. Yep. And so when you combine that with experience, played a lot of games at Notre Dame, when you combine that with the fact that, you know, he has t- the, the physical, natural talent that he has, those things all factor in. And that's why we point those things out. Because if you're a GM and you're sitting there and you're saying, okay, talented player, had more production than Dalen Hayes, but you know, was suspended for a year. Or this that you know, there's this concern, and then you have a guy like Dalen Hayes, who maybe isn't quite as productive in college as this other kid, but he's got natural tools, he's got size, he's got versatility. He can, he's flexible. He can play for a four down end. He can play as a stand up outside linebacker, and he's this great community guy. Right. Those are the things that can often, 
you'll take a you'll take a chance on a first rounder with that attitude because he can be a program changer if you're an NFL team. I don't know if you want to be doing that in rounds three through five. I agree. You know, and we've seen like the Browns took that receiver from Florida a few years ago. How'd that turn out? Well, yeah. guess what? He was the same as a professional that he was in college, you right. know, because uh, that's usually how guys are. Sure. We're not talking about a guy that did one had one bad mistake. We're talking about guys that have a, 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 a history, history of of character. Well, that goes both ways. You know, if you just show up for the occasional team function in the community, you're not a guy that's part of the community. You're just doing what you have to do. Dalen Hayes did what he was supposed to do with the team and then went beyond. He's that, he's like from an NFL standpoint, he's kind of that Walter Payton Man of the Year award kind of guy. Yeah. Right. I don't think, I that's, think that's fair. I think, I don't that's, think that's fair. Exaggerating. He does it because he wants to, because he wants well, exactly. to make a difference. He's exactly. a very he's a very thoughtful. Again, I don't necessarily agree with all the stances that he takes, but that doesn't matter. I don't have to. Yeah, I, I matter, love right. where his heart is coming from. Absolutely. You know, like, that's the kind of person you can have real dialogue with. That's the Correct. person who actually wants to make a difference, not make a political statement. And that's right. the difference between Dalen Hayes and some other people is he's not trying to make a political statement. He's trying to make a difference in his world. He's trying to make a difference in his community. He's trying to make a difference with the people around him. And he can use his platform to do yes. so. And yeah. and to do for good and and it's not always with the social justice. I mean, I'm talking about just you know going to to the the rougher parts of South Bend and handing out food and and you know being involved in the Christmas programs and going to high schools and you're giving these young people memories that they're never going to forget. Oh, this Notre Dame player, his right. team captain, and 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 you know he 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 took an interest in me. You, yeah. you know what I mean? Like those are sure. the kind of stories that you say. That's what athletes should be using their platforms for is to make a difference in people's lives. And, and that's who Dalen Hayes is. And, and I, you know, we don't talk a lot about that at, on Irish breakdown because we stick to football, but I think this is the a perfect time to talk about that because that is going to factor in to how he is viewed by NFL teams. Yep. And, you know, and that's, again, it, it's the same. I'm getting down to, I got you on my team. I'm getting down to cut day and I got this kid over here and I got this guy over here that can be the thing that becomes the final yeah. decision for you know who you keep on your team. So it's it it is it is worth talking about, and sure. and I think it's something that Dalen deserves a lot of praise for. Yeah, no question. So Dalen Hayes, uh, stock up, stock down for you. Stock up uh, for me. Stock yeah. up for me. I think you know again. Did he did he blow anyone away? No, but did he did he make himself intriguing enough to where I think NFL teams are going to say, hey, let's let's go, let's this kid's on our board. As long as the medicals check out, this is a guy that we want to we want to do more studying on. We okay. want to find more out about because there's going to be teams that don't know about his off the field stuff. They're not going to know he only played eight games of high school football. They're not going to know a lot of these things. But yes, he's a still developing player. But you know, Mike Elson brought him along a long way. You know, because yeah. he he showed up with basically just God given ability, and that's yeah, it. Right. Played eight yeah. games of high school football. Um, you know, but then they'll see that, oh, wow, this guy, this guy's still a, a bit of a ball of clay, you know, so that's kind of how you stand out this week. Maybe you don't stand out enough to where like, oh my gosh, this guy blew me away. First round pick, but at least enough to say, this guy's now on our board. This is a guy we want to do some more homework on. And I think the more you do homework, you do on Dalen Hayes, the better it's going to be for him. Cause there's going to be no red flags other than let's check out the, the injury history. Let's check out the shoulders and that kind of thing. Good. Well, I, that's good news because, uh, Dylan Hayes is an easy kid to root for, and yeah. uh, I I know you're rooting for him. I know I'm rooting for him. So I hope that uh, he does rise up on people's draft boards because that that's exciting to me. I think he's a good kid. He's a good player, and I think he's got a bright future. So mm -hmm. Dylan Hayes, stock up, which is good good news to hear. Brian, I want to talk about uh, Adetokumbo Ogundeji. Mm -hmm. uh, he was uh, at the Senior Bowl. 
and you know, was playing defensive end, measured out extremely well uh, when it comes to wingspan and all that. Um, Longest how, of any defensive lineman. Yeah, yeah. Longer than Khalid Kareem, which surprised me because Khalid well, Kareem had freakishly long arms and a freakishly long wingspan. And and on paper, that's huge. I mean, mm-hmm. that, that's absolutely huge. So that's one of those things. And we've been talking about some of the other guys. That that's one of those things that can. Oh, maybe maybe we should take another look at this kid mm-hmm. um, and do that deeper dive in him. So mm-hmm. uh, so that's good news. But uh, what were your thoughts on him from a practice film situation? I thought the only player he Robert Haynes is the only player to me that saw, in my view, his draft stock rise during the week. Uh, than than Ogundiji. I think that it started off with the measurements. Look, the things you can't teach, if you have those, that's great. Yes. Because teams are going to take those chances on you. And he showed that 6'4", 260 – he was over 260 pounds, 35-inch arms, ridiculous – like unfathomable wingspan, which that's – here's why that's important for a defensive lineman. And and we saw this during the week of practice. If I get my hands on you and I get my hands extended – and my arms are three inches longer than yours, you're you're done. I, I win. Yeah. You know, fact. If I have 32-inch arms and you have 35-inch arms and I get my hands on you, I had extended, and you can get more force back at me because your arms are longer, you're going to win. Right. Length is important. During the week of practice, Vince, I thought he showed um, good length. I thought he showed knowing how to use his length. You know, he right. did a really good job during the run drills of just – Getting that hand on a on a on a tackle and and knocking him back and just stoning him there and setting the edge. And now you're not going to make the play on that play. You're going to force the cut inside and you're somebody else going to make the play. And that's where I think some Notre Dame fans, uh, I don't think appreciated how good he was because a lot of the great things he did to make them a great run defense were things that weren't going to factor into plays. You know, the, he wasn't making the tackle or the tackle for loss or whatever. It was he was blowing up the tackle or blowing up the pulling guard. He's great. He's re- I don't say great. Try not to use that word unless it truly is great. He's really good at seeing the pulling guards and just meeting them in the hole and just blowing them up and forcing early cuts or early bounces. He did that during the week of practice. Uh, so his run defense was really good. I think the only time he struggled during the week of practice was when they moved him inside. He played some three technique. He's okay. two hundred sixty pounds. Yeah. And and up in there. he got blown up on a couple double teams, but a yeah. two hundred and sixty pounder is going to get blown up on double teams. Sure. So, you know, I think he showed as a three technique he can rush the passer in in third down situations. But right, you know, he he's not like a rush right. group in there. Yeah, right. right. But he's not a guy you're going to be putting in there first and ten at three technique. You know, so that was really the only issue. And and he's never faced those kind of double teams before. He's faced tight end tackle double teams. Right. So he needs to learn how. I mean, that, and again, that's right. a technique situation, right? right? I mean, that's that's something a good D line yes. is going to look at and be like, okay, again, he's only 260 pounds. So there's really only so much you can do. Right. But there is some technique stuff that you can do at that point. Right. And, and there's very fair. And, and I think that there, the thing that he also did to improve my, in my opinion, was he, he, he was one of the better pass rushers for the national team during a week of practice. Um, he could win with speed off the edge, although that's not his his number one move. He doesn't quite have the explosiveness, in my opinion, that Dalen Hayes has. But he won enough. He's athletic enough to where you have to be you have to respect that speed off the edge as a tackle, or he's going to beat you around the edge. But then that sets up his counter moves with those long arms. You know, he had he he has he had a couple really nice counter moves. Now he he also needs more work with his hand play, as a lot of guys do. Sure, but. 
you know, that length is something you you like and his ability. I mean, he got several pressures. He got a sack in the game. I don't know if it technically counted as a sack because he hit a guy and then the guy ended up falling down. But he was involved in two really impressive pressures in the game. And we saw those things during the week of practice, Vince, where, you know, he he just he has those hands where he, he can get you and then he can get off blocks. His block destruction is impressive um, as he learns to. I think he needs to learn to speed his hands up a little bit. I think he's got good moves, but at times they're, they're not as quick as they need to be. You know, so you he's one of those guys that those D-line coaches that like to get their defensive ends and their defensive linemen into like judo and karate and things like that. Like, I think that's something that could really help him uh, because I think if he can speed his hands up a little bit, it's going to make him even more impactful. And, and I think he has it in him. It's just, again, he's another guy that Mike Elston got, and he was a big ball of clay. He mm-hmm. was, I think, 17 years old as a freshman. Yeah, he's a uh, young kid, yeah. They flipped him from Western Michigan. He was like 220 pounds when he showed up. So, you know, Mike Elston had to bring him a long way, and I thought he did a, a great job doing so. But because he started with such a raw player, there's still a lot of room for him to even add sure. to that arsenal. Uh, and, and so I think he's someone that, again, you're not going to – you're not, I don't think you're going to take him in round one. Although Mike Tannenbaum, who uh, works for ESPN and the NFL network, one or the other, I forget. I think he's NFL network guy. He's a former GM in the jets. He actually was talking about him during the Thursday practice. And I was listening to it kind of on the side as I was doing other things. And he talked about how he thinks he's a guy that teams are going to start having discussions about late in the first round. I don't know if I see that, but when you're having that conversation, I think that speaks volumes to how Im- this was before the game, to, to how impactful he was and how impressive he was during the week of practice. Because the one thing that he has that maybe a, like a Robert Hainsey doesn't is he has those measurables that you can't teach. Yeah, Robert Hainsey doesn't have those. Robert Hainsey has a, a game that you love. Adi Ogandiji has measurables that you can't teach and a game that you really like and that is developing. So I thought during the week of practice, he was one of the more consistently effective edge players that the national team had. And I thought he really helped his stock just on the practices alone. Well, let's move into the game then, because uh, I want to hear your thoughts on how he performed in the game, because it sounds like uh, because of the week of practice, the game situation can only just kind of project him even further. Yeah. I mean, he was a little quiet early, you know, good setting the edge uh, pass rushes didn't do a whole lot early, but as the game got deeper, he started having more impactful pass rushes. He had a nice power move where he just kind of got his hands underneath the lineman and just kind of rode him back and then came off and, and, you know, pressured the quarterback, didn't get the sack, but forced the quarterback to step into the pocket. And then second, I think it was second half. He had a sack, which I thought he, he di- he didn't disappoint in the game. How about that? Like he okay. showed in the game what he'd showed during the week of practice, which is okay. I need work. I'm not going to dominate every snap. But if he was dominating every snap, he'd be a top ten pick, and he wouldn't have been a senior boy anyway. Right, right. So um, I thought he impressed. He impressed me. I, I don't think there other him and Hainsey are two guys to me that did the most to improve their draft stock because to me they went from probably day three guys. So okay. now I think teams are going to start talking about them on day two. Now, will okay. they be picked day two? That's a different conversation. But because that depends on needs and, sure. you know, a team may say, hey, we love him, but this other player that we graded as a late first round pick fell. And, you know, and, yeah. and that's just kind of how it works. I mean, that's how the draft works. And so yep. um, sometimes guys that most team viewed as third or fourth round picks get picked in the second round. And sometimes a team like the Houston Texans, 
and they're now fired head former head coach will take some offensive tackle that no one ever heard of who's a third round player in the first round because they needed a tackle you know so it's just the draft is a is a weird beast but uh, I think he did a lot to improve his draft stock. And I think the more teams learn about him and his character and his background, his age, he's a, like a 21-year-old fifth-year senior. Yeah, uh, They're, they're going to look at him and say, boy, this is a guy with a lot, a lot. And he, and he, you can watch him in practice. He has fun playing football. I mean, you, you, it's hard to tell because he's got this emotionless, expressionless facial. Even <laughs> when he's like after the Clemson game, when there's a picture of him screaming, he still looked like, he was yelling, but he just looked like he wasn't emotional because he's just got that face. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, right. Just, but he's an energetic, fun, like get after it, competitive kid. And honestly, the only rep that I saw Robert Hainsey just lose, just flat out get whipped all week was Ogundiji. Yeah. Just, it was, he was a guard and, and uh, Ogundiji was a three technique and just blew past him off the ball. And it was like, okay, uh, that doesn't happen to Robert Hainsey very often. And so uh, I thought he had a really, really good week of practice. I think he certainly helped himself a ton. And, and I think that there's a good chance that in two consecutive drafts, Notre Dame is going to have four defensive ends get picked. That's not going to hurt their defensive end recruiting. Moving That's forward. awesome. Yeah, as you remember, say. Julian Aguar and Khalid Kareem got picked in rounds three and five last year. I could see yeah. that being similar to this year. I could see a third to fifth for these two guys, especially after what okay. they did in the – as long as the medicals check out for both, I could see. That's right. my only concern with Dalen Hayes. Because he had right. so many injuries in high yeah, school. Right, 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 right. He's only had the one major injury at Notre Dame, but it was the same injury, you know, it was a shoulder. So as long as the medicals check out, I, I could see both of them being mid-round picks. And I could see Ogundiji maybe even being a guy that some team falls in love with in, you know, round round three, I think at this point in time. Yeah. Well, again, uh, another kid to root for. Um, you know, and I I know that sounds cliche and I, I've said it a lot, but this is just a good group of kids. Uh, this is a, I, I, and I wouldn't say that about every kid that came through Notre Dame. And I agree with even you. Even recently, there's been a I, defensive lineman recently. I'm like, whatever. Right. And you and I you have know? had those conversations. <laughs> but these, these, and I keep saying kids because that, I, that just means I'm old. Uh, but are. These, we these, are. These young men are easy to root for yeah. and it gets me excited to watch yeah. the draft uh to see where these guys are going to fall yeah. uh, and 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 Adetokounmpo Ogundeji is another one of those guys so I, I'm excited to see you know what his future holds mm-hmm. uh I, I think that's going to be a lot of fun so Brian I'd say overall a very successful week mm-hmm. for the University of Notre Dame and the players that are going to be entering the NFL draft I, I think you had mentioned earlier in the podcast that um, you, you wish Liam Eikenberg could have been there. Uh, you know, we haven't heard exactly why per se, but at the same time, his stock could have been helped, uh, a, a lot because he probably would have been one of the best offensive linemen. Assuming that he was there. healthy enough to play. I think that's, of course. that's the thing, right? Uh, of course. And, and it may be a health issue. It may be just a decision between him and his agent. We don't know, but at the same time, it would have been nice to see him. But overall, uh, the, the Notre Dame guys did themselves a favor. Uh, they, they, I think each and every one of them, I don't think anybody's stock went down. I think it either stayed the same or got better, uh, right. from, from day one until the, uh, the game. Yeah. I think the, the discussion is some guys made more improvements of their draft stock than others. Sure. Absolutely. I, I, yes. I don't, I don't think anybody is right exactly where they were. Uh, unless you thought highly up more highly of a guy than most people. Like if you thought Aaron Banks was a borderline first round pick, then he didn't do anything to disappoint you, but he didn't do anything to, to, to lock that down. Like, Oh yeah, definitely. Sure. Um, I think everybody helped their stock. I think that, uh, I think that the fact that they all performed well during the week of practice, 
is is important because I I do think that if you're if you can only do one or the other, yeah, you want to do well during a week of practice as yeah. opposed to the game. Yeah. Uh. So, right or wrong, that's just the way that it is, and I yeah. understand it to a degree. But uh, I think everybody helped themselves. I think they represented Notre Dame well. Uh, not surprisingly, no. and that's something we're we're used to seeing at these events. And uh, uh, yeah, I, I think it was a good week for Notre Dame, and, and I think it's just solidifies again next that in, in future years when there's Notre Dame players that are going into the draft that they're going to be desirable for the Senior Bowl because they're going to show up, they're going to have the right attitude, they're going to work hard, and they're going to be leaders. And, and yeah. you want, especially in this era, you know, I, I, I'm curious to see how the Senior Bowl handles what happened this year moving forward with guys showing up practicing and then leaving right the game. it was right. some alabama guys and some others Fine. i'm very curious to see you know, i don't know if you can but like i I'm, know you know i'm very curious to see how they handle that but th- that's the thing is that's going to make notre dame more attractive because that's just Liam Meikenberg yeah. didn't come but Liam Meikenberg didn't just you know wait till the day of the event and said oh by flake. the way i'm not coming right yeah, he didn't right. flake. let him know look I'm, I'm not going to be there he i'm I, they know the reason he wasn't there we don't but they do so, you know, you, you're going to respect that. And like last year, Khalid Kareem couldn't, was selected, couldn't play because he, he, he had the injury. You know, he was coming back from the injury. He had surgery, surgery in January and he couldn't play. They knew that. Uh, so I think this is a situation where Notre Dame as a, as a whole, as a football program, uh, benefited from the work that their players put in this week. And then individually, they all helped themselves. Yep. So uh, these next couple months are going to be a lot. And, of course, there's other guys that are going to be um, – Guys, the NFL is looking at Jeremiah Wusukoromoa. Obviously, wasn't here. He wasn't invited. He's technically not considered a, he's senior. Not a senior. Yeah, he's a senior. Uh, right, because he well, he's a senior in school. They go by eligibility, right? Right. I right. believe, and okay. then uh, uh, you know, obviously, Liam Eikenberg, Tommy Kramer wasn't part of this. You know, he's another guy that NFL teams are going to be looking at. Although they're going to be more concerned right now with his medicals than anything else. But there, you know, Nick McLeod is another guy that's going to have a chance to try to do some things, but. Uh, that's gonna. It's gonna be fun. It's gonna be yep. fun next couple months as we get ready for the draft, and we'll have a lot of draft coverage as as we move forward. And so, I'm very much looking forward to that. That's, I, you know, Vince, you and I were draft nerds. You know, we like to do our mock drafts and uh, you know all that kind of stuff. I, I enjoy this process, and it's even more enjoyable when there's actually young men that you've covered. I mean, I remember Ogundiji when he was a junior in high school and he flipped from Western Michigan to Notre Dame. You know, like, you know what I mean? Like right. when you get to experience, oh, yeah. see him grow and. You know, Dalen Hayes was committed to USC, and you know, you know, I remember a lot of that backstory where Notre Dame, you know, canceled a visit of a couple recruits because they knew Dalen was going to be on campus, and they didn't want other recruits to see Dalen on campus, and then go tell these other reporters that Dalen was, you know, because they were trying. Those are the fun parts about doing this job, and and to see these young men go from, I mean, who would have thought Ian Book would be playing at the Senior Bowl when Notre Dame signed him as a three-star recruit? They flipped to Washington State. You know what I mean? Nope. So, and then there's guys like, you know, like Dalen Hayes and Robert Haynes and Aaron Banks, who were highly ranked recruits that were, were not surprised that they ended up in the senior bowl. Right. But still it's to see them grow and develop. And sure. it just seems like yesterday we we're talking about Robert Haynes. He's a freshman starter at Notre Dame. It is, it is wild how, how quickly these things go by. It, it really is. I mean, now he's a four-year starter that's gone. So right, that's, right. Um, it's, it's a fun part of the process and it's fun. It's part of the fun of covering college football. Cause there's just so much turnover year after year. And these teams take a different look and a different feel. And you watch these young men go from, you know, teenagers to to grown-ups who are trying to become professionals. And it's a lot of fun. And the senior bowl is one of the best, one of the best parts about that process. Yep. So we we have seen the final college football game of the year. It was great. It was grand. And now we have to wait until September. So yeah. 
Uh, it is sad, but it is true. Uh, but we will be keeping an eye on things, and we will, of course, be bringing you everything that we can to irishbreakdown.com as well as our Irish Breakdown YouTube channel and uh, and our Irish Breakdown uh, podcast. So subscribe to all of them. And this yes. week, our, our focus is going to be on a lot of recruiting stuff this yes. week. Because I've sat National Signing Day is Wednesday. Uh, Notre Dame may sign another player. We will see. Their their class is mostly done, but we'll have a lot of analysis, a lot of video of yep. from recruiting this week. So make sure you stay locked into that. Yeah, we're we're taking this uh, this YouTube channel out for a spin, and we're going to see what it can do for us. It's going to be a lot of fun. So, uh, so for Brian Driscoll, he's the publisher. Vince D'Addario, that's me. I'm the uh, football analyst, and we will talk to you next time on the Irish Breakdown Podcast. <laughs>